Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Her wild listeners, we would love to see you live and in person at one of our upcoming events. Friday, May 6th, join us for a live taping of Tend Her Wild at the James Theater in Iowa City with thought leader, activist, and author Marianne Williamson via live stream. Lissy, songwriter of the amazing music you hear every week, will also be joining us on the big screen. And our most recent guest, Salisha Aya, will be with us in person. All the way from St. Kitts. Leading us through a ritual. Find tickets at www.dryogamama.com. And that's M-O-M-M-A.com. Then, since Salisha is coming all the way from St. Kitts, she will be teaching several workshops with me Saturday, May 7, from 12 to 5 p.m., Activate Your Goddess. Sunday, May 8, which also happens to be Mother's Day, we're doing a practice that will be online. The other one is in person. Uh, Sunday, May 8, 9.30 to 11, celebrating the feminine yoga practice. That same day, Sunday, May 8, from 2 to 5, honoring the womb space, the lower seat of the soul. And last but not least, on Sunday, May 8, in the evening from 8 to 9.30, we will be doing an evening moonwalk at Harvest Preserve among the stones, the what I call the Stonehenge of Iowa. We'll be engaging in some rituals, some meditation, honoring Sacred Mother Earth and Sacred Mother Moon. So come on out and join us again. All of these tickets can be found at www.dryogamama.com. Hi, welcome to Tinter Wild. This is Betsy. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about a request that we received from a listener named Kelly. Kelly wrote to us and said, can you do a podcast on what we can do as moms to cultivate wild girls at different ages and stages of development? How do we embrace these young wild wolf pups to preserve their inherently wild nature? So thank you, Kelly, for that. So we want to talk and, you know, Mother's Day is coming up this weekend. We want to explore this topic of raising the next generation of wild women. And we both have daughters. So this is a topic that's near and dear to us. And something we've talked about. For a long time, you and I have talked about this. Yeah. 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 So where do we start? Where do we start? Mothering can feel like such a huge responsibility. And... Um, it's, there's so much joy, but there's also heartache in parenting and, and doubt. doubt. I feel like there's so much doubt. Like, yeah. am I doing this right? Am I screwing yeah. them up? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I first want to say that I think if you are, if you are thinking about this and you are conscious about this, then you're already, you're already way far yeah. ahead. Like you are, you're doing the right thing just by knowing how, um, how you can make an impact uh, on your girls and how you can 
model a conscious way of parenting. So it totally makes me think of a, a psychologist friend of mine that I was talking to years ago about a parenting issue and that I was so worried about it. And she said, Betsy, you don't understand. Just you asking me this question tells me that your kids are going to be fine. She's like, most people aren't thinking <laughs> about this, question. are numbed out about this, are not worrying about if their kids are going to turn out fine. So she's like, the fact that you're worrying about it pretty yeah. much says that they're going to be okay. So, yeah. so there's some consolation yes, yes. in that, first of all. So I, you know, as we decided on this topic, I, I went up to, you know, cause I'm a bookophile and, you, <laughs> you know, like I'm usually reading about eight books at one time. I went up to my parenting section in my library and sort of pulled down some of the parenting books that I read over the years and sort of realized there were sort of three main books and three main thinkers that have really um, honed how I think about my own mothering and how I seek to parent my children and I don't always do it well. I will, you know, oh, first to admit it. None of us, um, none of us But do. these, these sort of thoughts have really made a difference and have probably lessened some of my natural anxiety about, am I doing it right? Right. I think there's that. And then from my end, I'm trying to be really instinctual. Yeah. About parenting. That's the wild woman, Kate. It is. And I think, but I think early on, I was like, you know, you're pregnant. You got the first babies on the way. You got to buy the sleep book and <laughs> Dr. Spock's book. And yeah, you know, what, what to expect, to expect when, when you're expecting. expecting. I mean, and if I didn't finish them, I remember like it was sitting on my bedside and I saw like four chapters. And I was like, the baby can't, can't come until before I finish, I finish this chapters. book. So, so there's, I, I probably started off parenting like from, very much from books. And then at some point with maybe it's three kids, you start to let go of that and just start to trust yourself. Yeah, that's good. And it's interesting because I did buy all of those books. In fact, I remember with one of my kids, I had a friend convince me that I need to just let them cry it out. That whole like, oh, yeah. you know, Healthy reading all the habits. books on it and all of that. But uh, you're right. The three books that I pulled that I still really I think shaped me are all more and they're all about following the instincts. So I love that you said that. So the first book that for me, um, I actually learned about this book because it was Oprah, good old Oprah said that she gave this book to anyone who had a baby. This was like part of her baby gift to them. So of course I had to get the book and it's the parents Tao Te Ching um, ancient advice for modern parents by a man named William Martin. And so I, first of all, you can see mine is earmarked and underlined and, um, some of my favorite books that I refer to, I keep in my, next to my toilet. That's why that's where I pull them out. I'm like, I need to be refreshed on this. That's where mothers sometimes do a lot of downtime. Um, but I, this is a book that, um, I followed Oprah's path and I give it to a lot of people when they have babies because there's so much wisdom in this very small, short, easy to read book. But the main thing that I think I've taken from this book, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, Kate, is that essentially our children are not our own. Like we talk about my kids, my kids, they're not ours. They just came through us. They have their own path. They have their own spirit. They have their own life to live out. The other, the big one for me too, is they're wise. They have their own inner Mm -hmm. knowing, um, and they have a right to express their own spirit. And so it makes me realize that I want to treat my children as equals. I don't want there to be this power play of like, I'm the know-it-all mom who knows what's best for you. Because 
actually my 14 year old might have a deeper wisdom about some area of his life that I don't contain. So because I see them as these eternal souls that are really wise, no matter whether they're 10 or 13 or 16, um, that I don't want to control them. I want to actually trust their spirit. Right. Now, the only caveat is I also know that my 16-year-old's frontal lobes are not fully developed (laughs) yet (laughs) until he's 26. And so there is a piece of like helping him make good decisions, but at his core, like trusting that he... He's a really wise soul in and of himself. Well, and getting back to the listener's question, I think it's especially because we both have two boys and a girl. And then a girl, yep. Um, But for girls especially, there is this idea of perfectionism that is planted very early. And I think, you know, we've talked already about social media and all the things they're up against that, you know, part of, I think, helping young girls connect to their authentic wild self is to, we'll get into this in a bit, but modeling, but also helping them trust themselves. Yeah. Just like you said with, with your son, it's, and with girls, I almost think it takes more. I think Mm. we have to, we have to have more of those conversations because there's so much comparison coming at them and this idea of perfectionism, doubting themselves, uh, something happens. We talked about middle school before. There's something that happens. They, it seems like in elementary girls are, we know they do better in school. We know that they are natural leaders often. And then something happens where all mm. of a sudden there's this doubt. And there's a lot of theories about puberty and competition for boys and things out there about why that is. But yeah. You just gave me a new idea though, that how much of building an inner sense of trust, a self-trust mm-hmm. in your children is that you have to trust them. Right. Right. And so I think so many of the parenting books or the methodologies are, you know, you know, best, the parent knows best, which I think I want to kind of question a little bit. The older I get in the, I mean, my kids, I have two in college and one in high school. I have started asking their advice. I ask this as well. What do you think about this? Yes. What and time do you I, think you should get off the computer? Do I you think you're using too much time. Are yes. you on the computer too much? What do you think? Yeah. And th- they... When you get, when you empower them instead of try to control them, they naturally yeah. choose usually what's right for them yeah. because there's not that power struggle. Um, when you show them you trust them, yes. then they can start to trust themselves. But if you're constantly hovering, yeah. you know, getting in their business, questioning why they're doing what they're doing, then they won't trust themselves. Right. Yeah. yeah. This is powerful. Okay, so everyone needs to go get the parents parents down teaching. I swear, yeah, we'll it is so wise. No matter whether you have babies or college students, it's it's fits fits whatever age. So the second uh, thinking that's really molded my perceptions mm-hmm. is, um, and I talk about Carl Jung all the time, yeah, but I, I swear he is one of my favorite <laughs> teachers. And he once said that the greatest burden a child must bear is the unlived life of its parents. Oh, okay. We just have to let that, can we let let that land? I'm going to say it again. The greatest burden a child must bear is the unlived life of its parents. Mm. Wow. This really struck me when we started talking about it because- how many times, well, so much in this podcast have we talked about returning to yourself, 
um, celebrating these stories of women who have done that often in midlife, mm-hmm. some younger. But when you're during their formidable years and when you're parenting young children, if they don't, if they don't perceive that you are living your full life, they what suffer. Impact? They suffer. Yeah. And, and it's something I don't think I've really ever thought about that way. But it's yeah. And I, how many times do parents actually give up following their path yes. for the sake of the children? Like I'm going to stay for the sake of the children, or I'm going to not take that job for the sake of the children, or I'm going to not go on that trip for the sake of the children. And yet the larger energy is I'm not living my biggest, most, you know, right. my life. And right. the kids feel that. And, and then they're, the message to them is that they're also not free to be fulfilled. Yes. And especially for young girls. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if we're not finding f- fulfillment and we're modeling that, then when they reach that age... They think they that's, too. they, they, that's they aren't allowed to. That's just a sacrifice they need yeah. to make that they, yeah. their dreams yeah. will come later. Um, I also think that if um, a parent sacrifices themselves for their child, that's a, like a hell of a lot of pressure on a kid's back. And even if there's not a formal discussion about that, the kid, the kid knows like, wow, mom sacrificed X, Y, and Z for me. That means I better do everything I can, not only for myself, but right. to, to, succeed. to succeed so that mom doesn't feel bad about the fact that she sacrificed right, right a piece of herself for this. Yeah. It's just, it, it, I, I don't think anyone wins. The kid doesn't win. The parent doesn't no. win if we don't fully live our lives. Right. And that, you know, everything is so heightened now. I mean, even in the span of my kids growing up um, with sports and the, the time and money and that all of that takes, it, it takes over parents' lives. Yeah. And um, kids' activities are no longer just kids' activities. They're, they're parent activities. So you're also, you know, there's a lot of pressure on kids to do well in, and excel and be on the right team and make the team. And so the pressure starts so much younger. And then the living vicariously is happening. Yeah as part of that whole yeah. system. And it, I think it makes it really challenging. The other thing I have been hearing, especially with girls is because of the way our systems are so much earlier, kids are starting sports and you know, this, whether it's sports, dance, anything at a much younger age um, and on a competitive level, yeah. they are quitting at, at a certain point in high school. They're, they're walking exhausted. away. Yeah. It's almost like adult burnout. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not having this well-rounded experience. A lot of injury, a lot of things happen yeah. that uh, I don't think used to happen. And I hear, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with parents about the fact that if your kid isn't in the activity or playing the instrument or playing the sport by first grade, they're never going to be able to compete mm-hmm. even at a high school level. And that all of this like traveling and team sports that I was just talking to actually a coach about this that they too are like yeah it's a little ridiculous but like not so so many parents are like yeah it's ridiculous that I'm gone every weekend at my kids sporting events and but we don't know how to change it so we're just going along with it so it's like we're all kind of frustrated with the whole scene the way it is now but we're not doing anything to shift it because we don't want our kid to miss out and then right 
Ugh. There's so many inequities in that system too. I, I recently read this little quip about, you know, a basketball competition and someone observing a mom and her three kids, single mom, three kids, $70 to get in to watch her son play. Ugh. She didn't have the money. Yeah. And she left. Yeah. And this person observed this and thought, what are we doing? Yeah. So it also changes their experiences because we've made it such a you know, expensive, competitive experience. Yeah. So all for ki- like, I'm just, I'm having a moment right now of thinking about, and we're doing this to kids, mm-hmm. these precious little wise, sensitive souls, right? <laughs> right? We're doing this and w- what, what are we creating and why are we doing it? Like, why are we do what, what is this pressure about? Why are we needing kids to produce at such high levels? Yeah. At and such y- a young and yet age? we know that sports, especially for girls can be such a positive thing an empowering thing for, for young women. It's just that our systems have become so commercialized and yeah, uh, out of balance, out of balance. These are the wise words of um, William Martin from that book, the parents Tao Te Ching. Um, Cause I think this is really true that if we have an agenda for our children, uh, we have to look at ourselves. He writes that your children were not born to complete your life. They were born to complete their own. And as long as you perceive that your life lacks something, you are in danger of using your children to satisfy that lack. That is far too great a burden for them to bear. It's something worth reflecting on. Yeah. Our children are not here for us (laughs) to complete us. Because if we haven't done the work to complete ourselves, we're using our children and um, potentially damaging them. Right. And so he goes, goes on to talk about doing your own work. Yeah. So I think this is the third big lesson. And, um, I know you have something to share about this later, but this is really the work of Dr. Shafali Tispari, who talks a lot about that. Um, as parents, we gotta, we gotta do our own work. Mm -hmm. We gotta look at ourselves, develop our own awareness. And instead of trying to fix control or even, um, give our child every opportunity possible, our work is to look at ourselves and get as clear as possible so we're not projecting our shit onto them, essentially. Right? Yeah. And I know you're going to talk about this, but so often we see children needing mental health. Or needing services, help or needing being in the houses. guidance office yes. or they're the problem. Yes. And this was a real, this was eye-opening to me because... Um, while I, you know, you want to believe that there's a way that, that that's helpful, that that's something that those are services kids need. And I think on some level they do, but if you look deeper, absolutely. It always comes back to the parent. Yeah. So I had a supervisor in graduate school. Um, and I, I want to preface this by saying, I don't think this is everybody's perspective. Um, and I'm not suggesting this is the only way to think about it, but I think it's a, perspective that is worthwhile to think about. And the supervisor told me that they did not believe about um, children, the, the need of children being in therapy. He said their parents need to be. 
that if if there's a, a kid that needs therapy, it's some imbalance in the parents or the situation at home. And we're just pathologizing the kid and making them believe that they're the problem. So the supervisor was like, you know, a kid's struggling because his parents are struggling. Get the parents in here. They need to work on the root, the root cause so that this kid doesn't believe that, you know, they're the issue. And and again, I am in no way suggesting that therapy for kids is unfounded or not useful because I totally believe in supporting children 100%. But I think there's something to the fact that as, as parents and as adults, we have to take responsibility for what we've not dealt with, what we've not looked at, what we've not healed, and make sure that we're not putting that on our children in really usually a pretty unconscious way. Right. And that's Shafali's work is conscious parenting. Um, and this idea of that the degree of consciousness with which our parents raised us is a key determinant of how well adjusted we grow up right. to be. Right. So it's on us as the parents to work on our stuff and become more and more conscious. And I think that's, to get back to our listener's question, that's how we preserve their inherently wild natures because right. we're wild ourselves. Right. We freed ourselves. We've done our own work and we're not putting our need for our kid to be a certain way on them. We're giving them the space and freedom to find who they are and to listen to their own inner wisdom and to, to take the steps on their path that they need to take without us interjecting too much. Right. And as women, you know, we've had some guests lately talk about making these pivotal career decisions. And uh, you and I have talked about our own story and kind of the guilt of like working and not working. And and, um, our daughters are watching. And, you know, at this point in our history, in our nation's history, it, um, I had a really difficult call last night with my 22 year old daughter who said, what is happening? She's ready to enter women's health. In two months, she takes a job in women's health. And she just feels leveled right now. Yeah. So this is really an important time to have conversations with your daughters. Yeah. Um, Not that, you know, necessarily we have the answers, but it's just having a dialogue, you know, age appropriate, of course, but just acknowledging, I think, these feelings. I mean, my daughter was like, I, I'm angry, but I'm sad. I feel lost. I feel, you know, yeah. all these things. And we bonded over that last night on the phone. And so there is an awakening happening that I believe we will be seeing over the course of the next several years. And so we also need to tune into that with our daughters and have those important conversations. Yeah. And, um, and band together. Yes. Right. Really band together. Yeah. The last piece that I want to speak about and I want to hear your thoughts are about our uh, worry and how much we can worry about our kids, worry about our little wolf pups, worry about (laughs) our daughters or our sons or, you know, our children that we feel like are going astray and just this concept of worry. Do you worry as a parent? Oh, I was a born worrier, Betsy. (laughs) Um, I was too. (laughs) Came out of the womb worrying. Um, but I have gotten better at it as I have trusted, I think myself more Mm. that has translated into me trusting my kids more. Mm. And so, and they, they also, the older kids get, you'll, you're probably finding this, they school you (laughs) quite often. And they will say to me, you don't need to worry about this mom. I got it. Beautiful. And so, yes, but I'm also, I think I'm letting, I'm learning to let go of control and, and that's my own work, right? Yeah. Again, it goes back to this. You got to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So 
I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. I was also a born warrior and, um, my thinking on this shifted, gosh, this would have been maybe four years ago. I had a very wise teacher and she was speaking to a big group of us. She said, worrying about someone is the worst thing you can do for them because you're putting your fear and your uh, concern about something that hasn't even happened and may never happen, most likely will not happen, but you're taking that energy and propelling it towards that person. So if I'm worried about my son, constantly worried about my son, my um, negative ruminations about what could happen are being projected to him. It's like the worst energy to come at someone. So if you had that feeling when someone comes to you and says, Kate, I'm really worried about you. Are you okay? How do you feel when someone says that to you? Not okay. (laughs) Not okay. You're like, oh, well, I wasn't worried about myself, but shit, maybe I I should be now, right? Yeah. And so it's been something I've been trying to apply. And granted, I just have a son now who's driving. So you may want to talk to me in five years or even in one year, like how you doing with that worry thing, Betsy? (laughs) But for now, I really want to, to make a conscious concerted effort to not send worry towards my children, but to actually trust that they're, they have a life path. They have inner wisdom. They have an inner knowing. And yes, I want to be there guiding them and helping them continue to learn. But that if I'm projecting my worry and my own need for control and, you know, structure and all of that, I'm actually limiting them. So, and I would say our children have in this time in our history, there's a lot externally for them to be worried about. Yeah. Um, the planet, yeah. you know, just humanity, Politics. everything. There's so much out there for them to navigate. And we actually, in our conversation last night, I said, with Meg, your daughter. Yeah. I said, Meg, I think all we can do right now is just live in the present. Yeah. We have to still plug in and advocate and, and do the things um, and use our voices, but we also have to live in the present moment. Yeah. It's more important than ever because, you know, I always tell my kids worrying about the future is anxiety, dwelling yep. on the past is depression. depression exactly. and, and we're really, um, th- there's just so much in this big mix right now for them. But so talking through that, I think, and modeling that living in the present is really important it's right key. now. So we just want to honor all of you parents out there, you mothers out there on this Mother's Day weekend, that it's a hard job (laughs) and there really are no guidebooks for it. And so sort of these concepts we talked about today of trusting that your child has a really strong inner wisdom, um, that you can focus on living your own life and working on your own self, that these are some things that might soften some of the yeah. challenging and be a great that come gift along. to your child and a great gift to your child so bowing to everyone in their process of of parenting and yeah, yeah happy mother's day happy mother's day betsy hello in light of our upcoming event and mother's day that's right around the corner we have a very special guest today sheila davison sheila's an entrepreneur and founder of revival it's a clothing store in downtown iowa city that offers sustainable fashion both new and resale it is one of Betsy and I's favorite stores downtown. Makes me sure. so happy every I time I go into that store and the artfully way, artful way it's put together. Yes, it's yeah. beautiful. And, and part of the reason we love Sheila is her passion for community and women. So we are honored to have her here today to share a little bit more about her story and how we are partnering with her. So welcome, Sheila. Oh, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm Yay. very excited to be here. 
I'm so honored to be a part of this podcast and the event on Friday. I'm very, very excited. So thank you. Um, and thank you yeah. for for stepping up and yeah. saying, yes, I will be in support of Absolutely. all of this. So. And I'm extremely excited to work again with Rachel from Maine. I mean, we've been working with Maine for, I was talking to Rachel about this over 10 years. So She's been in your 11. store for 10 years yeah. for jewelry. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's always always been a great experience you know and we've done lots of events over the years we've learned a lot it's grown it's changed and just most importantly we have a friendship and we've learned how to support each other and Mm -hmm. able to say to one another like hey I need this from you or you know I need to take a little break but we're still together so just really trying to support each other as much as we can yeah it's a beautiful partnership yeah so tell us I mean we love hearing inspiring stories about from women about stepping out of their box and like following their heart, seeing their vision, doing it. And I think you really have a story about that. Yeah, I'd be happy in your own life. I'd be happy to share the story. Um, I started Revival, it'll be 19 years in September. 19 years. So that's blowing my mind. But, um, Especially since you're only 25, Sheila. Oh, yeah, totally. I know. Just since a little baby. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Um, But no, I started it in Iowa City. I was born and raised in Iowa City, but I moved to New York City to go to college when I was 19. And, you know, I thought I would leave Iowa City. I would go to school, study fashion, merchandising, buying. I wanted to be a buyer for Macy's or Bloomingdale's. And, you know, I always had my eye on that prize. I just always knew what I wanted to do. So I went off and I went to school and I did it and I got a job offer right out of college. And I called my parents and I told them, I'm not going to take it. I don't want to do it anymore. And they were like, okay, great. (laughs) That's wonderful. What are you going to do? And I just kind of bounced around doing a couple other jobs in fashion. I worked in PR. I worked in product development. I did like serving and catering and, you know, all this stuff. But basically, I took a couple years to kind of explore different things and find out what I liked, what I didn't like. And eventually I came back to retail and I really love retail because you get to connect with people. Yeah. I got to have fashion and I got to have relationships in and community. So, so yeah, I did that in New York for, I was there a total of seven years. And then I moved back to Iowa on accident a little bit. I was passing through. I wanted to give the West coast a try and I came back home <laughs> you did not make it. And I didn't make it. You didn't make it. I didn't make it. You got pulled back into the vortex. I did get pulled back into Iowa City. And yeah, and then I opened Revival. And partly why I opened Revival, too, in Iowa City was I saw this, there was a hole in the market where that was being missed because um, when I was living in Brooklyn, I had a store I used to go to all the time called Beacon's Closet, which was a mixture of new and used and resale. You could trade, you could get cash. And I was really missing that. And I felt like Iowa City could use that. So that's kind of how Revival was born. And it was a really small little store over on Lynn Street. And it started with me calling all my friends and family and saying, hey, clean out your closets. (laughs) And some merchandise. Bring me inventory. I can't pay you until it sells, but that's okay. And then um, a couple of my friends from New York who were um, makers and designers 
sent me stuff to sell too. And that's really how it started. So it started as 600 square feet and then it, it grew bigger, it grew locations. And then most recently we've actually gotten a little bit smaller in space, but we've grown online. So yeah. just tell kinda, us about that. Cause yeah. I have loved watching like this expansion online and just the artistry too of how you set it up well and how well, you navigated the pandemic yes is really you yeah brilliant in how you oh well thank you, you. i agree I, you were brilliant i had i had a lot of women behind me so that was the wolf pack the pack yeah, was definitely yeah. behind me i mean really i have to give it to them that they were the ones in their day-to-day taking the photos being on social media um you know really connecting i of course was sort of in the back kind of overseeing things, but not even really, I mean, they really did a lot of it. So I couldn't have done it without them. Um, But yeah, we just tried really hard too to like listen to what people wanted, you know, not try to tell them this is the fashion you should want it, but try to really respond to people when they tell us what they're looking for. Mm. So that's, I think how we, you know, tried to navigate as best we could. Well, and you have, it speaks so highly of you because so many people, I think, would find you work because you were doing construction on top of a pandemic. (laughs) You moved buildings or refurbished your building. And I remember being like, where's Sheila this week? I got to find, and you would pop up (laughs) in these pop-up stores. But you had a, I, I think you would say, a very loyal following. Absolutely. We have, I would feel like that we have so much gratitude for that following and that people find us and do turn to us and treat us as a partner in the community. And so we also feel that same obligation to provide that. But yeah, I mean, people really showed up for us. It was amazing. And the whole moving constantly was exhausting. It was really fun for a while. And then it was like, oh my God, I cannot anymore. Yeah. So being back in our space and in this renovated space, I can't even tell you, like, I really thought I was losing my mind, but it's actually there and I was able Mm. to kind of get back to it. And it is is so beautiful. I mean, do you feel in some ways, do you pinch yourself and say like, I arrived, like, look at my business, look at where I'm at 19 years later, look at, I'm back in this gorgeous building. I have this beautiful online presence. I I hope you're proud of yourself because I'm so proud of you. I'm like, it's so amazing. I am. I mean, I'm proud of myself, but also I know I did not do it on my own. And I don't say that to not take credit, but like, I truly, I feel so blessed to have had these women come in and out of my life through the business because, you know, being in Iowa City too, there's, I have so many young people who are kind of finding their own way. And I love that them being at Revival was a positive experience. So that has always been important to me too. So having my staff come through and like leave little bits of themselves there is huge. Well, and you are modeling for young women what's possible. I agree. I agree. And I love that you're such a team player. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast and why we're doing these events is to bring women together and like encourage each other to build one another up instead of, you know, breaking each other down. We need to be just full support behind one another. And I feel like you do that with your team and just even hearing you say, it's not me, it's all these amazing people that have come into my life speaks to just the ethos where we're wanting to continue to spread and support. Absolutely. I think it's what it's all about. Yeah. 
So tell us, you're going to be at the event on Friday, so yes. we'll get to meet you there. Um, and then through our partnership, do you want to talk about the collection? Absolutely. I'm going to be there um, with Rachel from Maine, and um, we're working on promoting the Wild Collection, which is this beautiful collection of amazing jewelry that Rachel has curated and designed and she will have it there. And then after the event, it's going to be available at Revival in-store. We will also have it on our website. Mm. So you can find Revival on the Ped Mall at 117 East College Street, right here in downtown Iowa City. And you can also find us online all the time at RevivalIowaCity.com. Um, the other piece is especially for people who attend the event and for all your listeners. We're happy to extend it. But we do have a promo code which is TendHerWild22, and can, you can use that code online to receive 20% off your purchase. Yay. And please check out the Wild Collection because it's beautiful. and It is beautiful. It's empowering, and it's strong, and it's what we want to build in this community and for yeah. everyone. Yay. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Sheila. It's such you. a joy to have you here. Yes. Thank you Appreciate very much. Appreciate your partnership. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris, with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.